0: Chapter 6 of Radio Boys in the Secret Service. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Radio Boys in the Secret Service by J.W. Duffield. Artie's failure as a detective. Smithers did not allow his acquaintance with Guy Burton to wax cold during the latter's stay in London. He was diligent in his efforts to make himself agreeable to the young American. Guy learned from incidental sources that the man was proprietor of a jewellery store in Bond Street and was credited with doing a large business. Bond Street is the center of the retail jewellery trade in London and has many fine stores. This jeweller owned a motor car and passed much of his leisure time wearing out tires and pavements. On the Saturday afternoon following the adventure with the highwayman in the fog, he asked Guy to take a spin with him, and the invitation was accepted. I got an early start and bowled over the boulevards to the southwest, passing through Batterson Park and Wimbledon Park, east to Bromley, and back to Trafalgar Square by way of Greenwich. The car was a low, torpedo-shaped machine, which skimmed along the ground as if racing to the destruction of a foreign fleet. The owner took much delight in the dangerous appearance of his shark, as he named the car. This is my hobby he remarked, as they spun along at a rate that caused Guy to fear they would be arrested for speeding. Every Englishman has a hobby, you know. I thought most Englishmen's hobby was riding horses, replied Guy. I was a little surprised to find the automobiles crowding the horses off the earth here, just the same as in the United States. Sure they are, but before long, there won't be any horses in London at all. Will Englishmen hunt foxes in automobiles, asked Guy with seeming innocence. Hardly, laughed Smithers. There'll always be horses for the sportsman. But as a useful animal, the horse has seen his best days here. By the way, have you got a hobby? I suppose if you have, it's a wild one, since you live in an Indian country, he added with a twinkle. Not so very, assured guy. But I have a sort of hobby that's full of thrills. I thought so. What is it? Wireless telegraphy. Good. Got an outfit? Yes, two of them. My brother and I have. We're getting to be experts. My brother's better than I am. We got interested in wireless during the war, reading about how amateurs helped the government spot wireless spies. Smithers listened eagerly to Guy's statement and asked him a good many questions. The latter was an enthusiast and was glad to keep the discussion going as long as his companion did not appear to be bored. How are you getting along with the doctor? inquired the man finally after they exhausted the wireless subject. Fine. I won't have to have an operation. Dr. Sprague has done some great work on my eyes. I congratulate you. How long do you expect to remain in London yet? Two or three weeks. Going back to you New York direct? Yes. I didn't know, but you'd travel on the continent before returning. No, we didn't come prepared for that. Besides, Mother's in a hurry to get back. She'd like to visit some of the war scenes, but she'd want the whole family along. How many in your family? Five. Two boys, a girl, and father and mother. It was seven o'clock when they reached the hotel again, and both were hungry. Mrs. Burton had already dined, and Smithers insisted on Guy's eating with him. As they left the dining room, they met Artie Fletcher in the lobby, where they passed the time of day or night, and then the jewelers left the boys together and went to his room. Guy told his friend about his drive with Smithers and remarked that he wished Artie might have accompanied them, but the young clerk had a story to tell of an interesting experience of his own that afternoon. "'I'm glad he didn't go,' he said. "'Anyway,' "'I had to work and couldn't, but you can't guess who I'd saw today.' "'I give up. Who is it?' "'Mr. Highwayman of the Mysterious Mist.' "'What?' "'That polite gentleman who shoved a gun in our face and asked for our bonds and mortgages?' "'You don't say.' Artie laughed. I knew you'd be excited,' he said. "'How do you know who it was?' asked Guy incredulously. "'We couldn't see his face in the fog.' "'I recognized his voice. Is that all?' "'No, but that's enough.' Two men never out his voice, a combination of a squeak and a roar. You couldn't miss it among a million. I remember it all right, said Guy. But that isn't proof enough. You couldn't have him arrested on that. Oh, I wasn't thinking of having him arrested. He didn't get anything from us. I only had some fun with him. How? What kind of looking fellow was he? That's the funny part about him. He looks like a gentleman, prosperous, quite dignified, wears fine clothes, diamond ring, and a dandy solitaire stud. Where'd you see him? At the desk. He came in and asked for... Who do you think he asked for? Guess. Me, laughed guy. No, you're not important enough. Guess again. Mr. Smithers? Right. You don't say. What do you want to see him for? I don't know, but I made use of a guess to have some fun. What was it? That he wanted to get his revolver back. I might have lost my job if I hadn't been mighty careful. What'd you do? When he came to the desk and asked for Smithers, I was sure who he was right away. If I'd stopped to think, I might not have been so sure, and I'm glad now I didn't stop. What did you do? repeated Guy impatiently. I leaned over th- this way, so my face almost touched his, and said, Say, mister, did you lose a revolver in the fog the other night? What did he do? I thought he was going to drop, replied Artie with a smart air. I jumped back quite so, to couldn't look at him, and his face got as pale as a corpse. "'He spit out a few noises and then sputtered. "'Did I lose a revolver in the fog? "'What makes you ask that question?' "'I was just wondering if you owned the one Mr. Smithers found,' I replied. "'He was cool now and got his color back. "'Did Smithers find a gun?' he asked. "'And I told him to ask Smithers when he saw him. "'What did he say?' inquired Guy, as already paused in his narrative. "'He said he would, but he denied he'd lost a gun. "'Smithers wasn't in.' "'so he said he'd come back again and went away. "'You're sure it's the highwayman? "'You've got all the evidence I have. "'What do you think about it? "'It looks funny. "'What are you going to do about it?' "'Oh, nothing, I guess. "'Let's go and see Smithers. "'All right, if it isn't too late. "'It's only twenty minutes to nine. "'He won't go to bed for another hour.' "'They found Smithers in his room reading a newspaper. "'He seemed delighted, as usual, to see them, "'calling out heartily, "'Come in, lads, and make yourself at home!' I'll tell you, an old backer like me gets mighty lonesome sometimes. Then we'll get married or adopt a family. What's on your mind? Got some important news for you, that is, already has, said Guy. That's why we called so late, thought you'd like to know it. He saw the man who tried to hold us up. What? There could be no doubt that Smithers was interested. He exhibited more astonishment than Guy had shown, as at Artie's information. He sprang to his feet, then sank back into his seat and broke into a laugh. "'You don't mean he tried to hold you up again?' he inquired, turning to Artie. "'No,' was the clerk's smiling answer. "'He wanted his gun back, I suppose.' "'His gun back?' "'Yes, he came to the desk and asked for you.' "'Asked for me?' "'Yes.' "'How could he know I had his gun?' "'I told him.' "'Oh, but I don't understand. "'How do you know he was the highwayman? "'Did he tell you so?' "'Hardly. "'He only said he wanted to see you, and before or after you told him I'd found the gun?' "'Before.' "'But how he know me?' asked Smithers, with a seemingly puzzled air. "'I don't know,' replied Artie. "'That's what mystifies us. "'How do you know who he was?' "'I recognize his voice.' "'Oh,' replied Smithers, meditatively. "'Then turning to Guy, he added, "'Your friend is very expert in the identification of voices. "'He ought to belong to Scotland Yard. "'He was clever in that line?' "'No, I'm sure I couldn't do as well as he did,' replied Guy.' I couldn't say positively I'd never heard a voice like the highwayman's. I think Artie's got sharper ears than I have. You didn't tell him you recognised him as the highwayman, did you? asked Smithers, addressing the clerk. Oh, no, replied the latter with a wise blink. I only asked him if he'd lost a revolver in the fog, and told him he found one. But I didn't. Well, you picked it up after it was dropped, so I didn't tell such an awful big fan. What did he say? He said it wasn't his and walked out. Do you believe it was the Highlander man, do you? Asked the jeweler with a look of amusement. It must have been. Suppose you find out he's a good friend of mine. What then? I, I don't know, stammered already. I didn't think of that. Is he? I didn't say he was. I don't know, Laughed Smithers. But your suspicion is so very improbable. I want to find out how certain you are of your evidence. I'm pretty well acquainted at Scotland Yard, and happen to know they're looking for keen, shrewd men all the time. I was going to recommend you for a job over there, but I'm afraid I can't now. If my suggestion that this fellow might be a friend of mine hadn't weakened you so, I'd take you over and have him give you a trial. But, as it is, I'm afraid you're only a dreamer. A sharp rascal could bluff you too easy. Artie's face showed evidence of his disappointment. He really had entertained fond ambition of becoming a detective, but now it seemed that all such hope must be cast aside. He had a serious weakness. He wasn't sure of himself. "'Have you got a friend with a voice like this man's?' inquired Artie with a suggestion of unsteadiness in his utterance, and realizing as he spoke that he was continuing the weakness of which he had been accused. "'I don't know what kind of voice he's got,' replied Swindor sharply. "'That doesn't make any difference. "'If your detective senses were of high order, you wouldn't hesitate to make a positive charge against him, "'even though you knew him to be my brother. "'I'm very sorry, my boy, for I was beginning to think I'd discover a genius in you.' "'I'll think it over and tell you tomorrow how certain I am,' announced Artie, "'in as business-like manner as he com- could command.' "'Then he arose from his chair and moved toward the door, "'fingering the hem of his coat nervously. "'Oh my, no, that wouldn't do any good,' advised Smithers, also rising. "'The great secret of a successful life as a detective, speaking very impressively, "rests in knowing a thing beyond a doubt, and of knowing immediately that you know it. "'Come and see me any time, you're always welcome.' But forget that detective business. You're a fine fellow, but as a sleuth, I'm afraid you prove to be a false alarm. End of chapter six.